I think I think it's on. Okay, we're going. We are. Is that gonna fall off the table? It looks precarious, but it's it possibly is the best it's gonna get. I'd trust it. It'll do. It'll do. It'll do. It'll do. <laughs> That'll do, donkey. That'll do. Shrek is an iconic film, <laughs> and I will not have my mind changed. <laughs> Okay, I think Shrek is one of the early pieces of like cinema kind of art that I ever was exposed to. Oh, it it would have been. I have vivid memories of seeing Shrek. Well, you told me that the first film you went to see was Monsters, Inc. Is that true? That's the first film I can remember seeing. But Shrek was 2001 as well. Shrek was so good. Like maybe you opened the film floodgates. Shrek was amazing. And you were just like back-to-back limelight cinema tugging on. I also think, yeah, I think I was, but I also think <laughs> I went to I went to see Shrek with dad, not with grandma. And he just belly laughed the whole time, just roaring laughter. Like people would have thought Shrek was in the room. Yeah, because look, you're, I just feel like your dad probably vibed with... He had some shrek Shrek's energy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were like... Yeah, they were, there's a synergy there. Move over, Kennedy. <laughs> Shrekergy was here first. Uh, well, we are on. We now, are on. After many, probably too many minutes of absolute fuckery. Many minutes. One gin, 0.9 of a standard drink. Only 0.9. I know. I said we could have a second. We'll see where we go. We'll see. Maybe between takes. Look, the uh, the afternoon might take us somewhere. I, I was meant to be here in the in the morning. And it, I, <laughs> yeah, well, you did warn me. But I never confirmed that I wouldn't be here because I actually didn't know that I wasn't going to be until I woke up and it was already midday. <laughs> <laughs> I knew. I knew already, <laughs> as, as usual. <laughs> you have a real sense for these things that um, I don't for myself. It's like a story unfolding to you, like it's unknown and it's sort of, that must be so exciting. I can see the pattern way before it occurs. It's exciting, but also quite stressful. Yeah. It would stress me out. Um, t- to be me. Uh, and as you say, if you're an outsider looking in, there's an obvious pattern. Yeah. But to me, it's an actual surprise every time. I'm not doing it on purpose. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Every day I wake up, what's going to happen to me today, everyone else? The things that you are programmed to do are going to happen today. And yeah. I'm like, no, surely not. Not today. Universal optimism at all times that that's not going to bring me undone it's today. It's absolutely will. actually wild. Your optimism is wild to me. <laughs> okay, well, welcome. This is a new season. It is a new season. In that, in, w- in what sense is it a new season? It's a new season in that we've taken a break. We tried to make a bit of a plan for this season and how this season will roll. It's in two notebooks. Only one of those notebooks is here today because obviously I've left mine at home. Obviously, but you managed to bring all the tech equipment, so kudos for that. Thank you. We haven't had to do any trips to JB Hi-Fi to get emergency tech stuff. Not a single one today. Thank goodness, because can I say just quickly, and I don't know if you've been in a mall recently, maybe your sister can confirm, they are already Christmas Eve level crazy. I don't know what is going on this year. People are meant to be tight for money. No one got their middle income tax um, bonus, you know, the $1,000 you normally get. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what, what people are doing, but they are shopping it up. I despise that news. It's only mid-November. For three reasons. Go. Reason number one, having the malls absolutely chock-a-block. I don't frequent a mall and I have no desire to go in. 
But should the opportunity actually I'm going to change that word need should the need arise for me to attend I do not want to be going in there when it is like sardines in there it's no vile thanks. already oh, hideous not good it's already hot don't yeah. be sticking to the person next to me at JB Hi-Fi <laughs> uh, reason number two I hate this news um, interest rates skyrocketing and you know what you know, you know why they keep going up? Because the way to curb inflation is to take money out of the economy because people keep spending too much and everyone's all spend, spend, spend. And I'm like, please stop spending. I don't have any money. I need you to stop spending so I can have money to spend. Duh. L- literally. It's science. It's economics. It's girl math. Reason number three, I hate it, is just because I think, God, can you do something else? Yeah. I just don't like that people are doing it as an activity. They're spending no. their weekend doing it. It's oh, it's weird to me. I don't like it. No, anyway, that's my news. So new season, we do have a topic uh, that you you coined the phrase. But it's, <laughs> I did, yeah. Uh, we've called it workplace fumigation. Yeah, fumigation. It's probably not what you think, but it's... No, we're definitely not... It's, it's nothing to do with vermin. No, well, not... not Technically. Not literally. Not literally. Not literally. There's no Although, actual rats. We did have a mouse plague in my workplace last year. So did year. we. We had a tally. We had this, like 72 mice in three weeks. There was a man that came in with a very large bucket. I'm going to say two to three weeks ago to preschool and just went into every place and just put all sorts of baits, traps, something for mice. Just big, big mouse year. Yeah. Anyway, we've called it workplace fumigation because we started talking about... Um, I am changing jobs. Yes, you are. I'm changing jobs. And I think at the time we called it workplace fumigation, I didn't know where I was going yet because the way the ACT sort of department works is that you're not permanent with a school like you might be in New South Wales. Mm -hmm. You are permanent with the department. And I guess a little bit like the military, you kind of get posted. Yeah, you do. You get placements. Yeah, you get placed with a school. And a placement is typically five years. At the end of the five years, you can negotiate to stay on they don't always let people for example at one of the interview group interviews I was at Mm. there was basically a whole faculty from a particular school because they had got a new principal Mm -hmm. and that principal had told everyone who was past their five years that they needed to move on and they just have to yeah okay so I got to the end of my five years and seemingly or like weirdly to lots of people at my school's surprise I started the year knowing I wanted to move on. Yes. Why were they surprised? I think because... uh, I think because they view the changes scary. Right. Okay. Yeah. Perhaps people view me as risk averse. That's an interesting take. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Perhaps they expected me to do some wheeling and dealing, which is quite common. Where instead of going in this particular recruitment transfer round, Mm -hmm. people will do – it's not under the table, but they do some special deals before the round to get a new five-year placement at a place that they choose rather than having to go and win the placement as part of a recruitment pool. Yeah. And so maybe people thought I was going to do that instead. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, much to people's surprise, I started the year – pretty well telling everyone when they asked that, you know, when it came to the conversation with the principal, I was going to say I was very open to leaving. Mm -hmm. And then it came to the conversation with the principal and she said, that's great. Like if you're feeling the need for change, embrace it. How exciting. 
let's support you to do that. Great conversation. And then I went in the round to look for a new job. So when we say workplace fumigation, I guess it was that in a sense at the time we titled this episode, I was um, eradicating myself. Yes. <laughs> um, because I guess we, I mean, we weren't recording at the time, but we'd had a conversation as well around kind of the mobility scheme where people do move around in, in Canberra versus um, uh, the department, for in example, New South Wales, where you, once you're permanent out of school, you don't have to leave ever. You could be there for 35, 40 years. Yeah, and there are problems with both systems. Yes. But you do end up in both systems, but more in New South Wales, with schools that have really locked up staffing, yeah. no changeover of staff, yes, or a really locked up half. The other half are permanent jobs held by people who aren't working there and so they're replaced by routinely changing over temporary contracts, contracts. For, for, you know, years and years and years and years. So half the staff have been there 25 years and half the staff are only ever there one year. Yes. And it's not a good way to run a school. It is not. It's, um, it, yeah, no, it's not ideal. And so I think we had talked about um, that kind of the notion of workplace fumigation Um when is it time to leave? When, how, yeah. How yeah. do you know when it's time how to do you move know when on? It's time to do the next thing. And you know, you part, know? Of, part of my answer was you don't want to become a pest. You don't want to become a pest. So what Zoe's doing is she's fumigating herself yeah. because she feels like it's time to move on. And yeah, I guess we're in new seasons. We're in a new season of the weather. Uh, we're in new seasons of the podcast and we're in new seasons where we are thinking about, kind of what we need and change and transition. Yeah, and, ha- and how to identify when that need, when you need to act on that. Yeah. I think. Oh, that was beautiful. It sounds like a guitar, but it is just a spring. <laughs> it is just a spring on the mic. Yeah. I think that's better. Is that nicer? Yeah, it's much nicer. Yeah, so, and you've changed jobs more than I have in the I have, yeah. teaching field, just generally, probably. Yeah, I've been in, I've been in a few... I've been in lots of different education environments, but I've been in probably one, two, three, four, five kind of long-term. We'll just let the cat scratch his post. Yeah. That's, That's I think it's quite soothing actually. I think the listeners will like it. for you. Yeah. He's been quite involved today because Pocket isn't here. Yeah. So Pocket is at home. He's already had a big outing today um, with the aunties and he's a hot dog. He needs to cool off. He's cooling off in in the air conditioning at my house. Lovely. Yeah. Anyway, so where were we? You've had had about five different educational settings. Yeah, like long-term ones, yeah. I've had two, which is part of when people say why. That's part of why I say I want to move on. It's the second place I've ever taught. It's the first place I've ever taught in this system. Yep. So one of the things that happens when you change jobs is you get perspective. Yep. And when you've only been in one or two, that perspective is really limited. And so I guess there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can't see or you take for granted as the only way to do things or the right way to do things or the normal way to do things. Oh, there's a cat on the table. (laughs) This is maybe not going to end well. This has not happened before. Is he going to purr into the mic? I hope so. It's going to be cat smar. Can you hear that? If you can hear that, that's Crookshanks the cat. 
How do they make that sound? They just like vibrate air through their vocal cords. So like talking? Yeah, <laughs> but purring. <laughs> <laughs> that was unexpected but delightful. It's literally just cat talking. Anyway, I'll see if I can coax him onto my lap. I don't think the listeners mind. <laughs> okay, he's going to sit on the show notes. How are we going to know what to talk about? <laughs> this is having a cat. We just have to wing it now. Okay, we officially... Oh, no, off. What's he discover? Oh, he really likes the computer. <laughs> he does. This is welcome to sort of all of lockdown 2021 for me mm. when I was studying and teaching online. And yeah, this was wild. My constant. <laughs> okay. I can hear the vibration. <laughs> oh well. I love it. That's this is cats. I don't mind. We don't question it. We. Just I don't roll think it. anyone minds. I'm just gonna have to adjust the mic. It's back, fine. Back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Crookshanks. Back to me. Back to me. There we go. Yeah, you're I think in. it's twisted a bit. Okay. Anyway, so yep. perspective is one thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so, you know, you get given fresh eyes by changing and you get to bring fresh eyes by being the new person or the change. Yeah. The risk of staying for me... And there was a little bit of wheeling and dealing done to, oh, if we give you this opportunity, will you stay? If we let you do this, will you stay to try and keep me there? Mm -hmm. And the risk of that for me was, one, if that is the only reason you've chosen to stay and it doesn't go to plan or, you know, things change in schools and you don't get to do that project or you don't get that opportunity. things change like that at a school. The budget changes, whatever it is, you're needed elsewhere. Mm Mm-hmm. I think the resentment for me of having made a life decision based on that and having it change would be so high that I would become a real pest. And you, you would then need to be fumigated. I would need to be fumigated. Yeah. So I've, I've been proactive. I've sought an opportunity for myself. I'm really thrilled with the outcome. I got the job I wanted. Yeah, yeah. I got some really good advice from a boss, which he didn't say cheat, but he said, don't play fair, play to win. Which meant, you know, there were instructions that said in one place it said the job application should be one page. In another place it said there's no there's no actual limit. In another mm-hmm. place it said they recommend two to three pages. So I took the there's no limit option. Yep. Whereas I and this is probably reflects badly on me, but I went to some of these group interviews and I realized everyone else read the one page, didn't read the rest of the instructions didn't send an email to HR to clarify like I did that there's no actual restriction Yep. and spent a week whittling down their applications to one page. Yep. And I knew my application would be merit assessed or ranked against those one pages and that to award the job, they would need to find the evidence in my application. Which is easy to do when it's two or three or four pages. And even easier to do if it's two or three compared to a one page of. Yep. Just... Because I've had a similar experience doing that um, where I went through – because when you first come to Canberra, there's a rating system. Yep. Um, There is one in New South Wales as well, but you you have to be really questionable to not get rated permanent suitable. Yeah, like it's – because I remember doing that as well. I remember doing that And it was like – Did you do it in the weird little office above Kmart? Yeah, yeah, when the <laughs> department was still there. Yeah. And mine was a tele-interview. Oh, weird. So I went into a room and with no one in there. That's so And there weird. was a man named Glenn in a TV. <laughs> 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 I 
And it was the weirdest, like, 50 minutes of my life. It's so weird. But <laughs> when you're in there, like, it feels like a fast. Like, it feels like as soon as they know that you're kind of articulate, you know what you're doing, yeah. they've approved you. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, uh, do you want to work in, like, what areas do you want to work in? Because basically they want to know if you're going to, if they're going to ship you off to Whoopal or not. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, mm. Nah, no thanks. Yeah, I'll take my chances locally. Yeah, that's what I said too. Because I think I was on class that morning because I was already out of school. I'd yeah, teach- exactly. I did mine in a bit of a weird order because I wasn't mm. finished uni. I, for like more than a year, <laughs> I was, and I was on class. I was in a school. Yeah. And like just because of the way things worked then, like the approval system, that's what I was doing. And um, I'd been, I hadn't done my approvals interview. Mm. And I'd been on class for like nearly a year. Amazing. And they're like, you need to You're fine. You need to go and do your interview. Yeah, but also you'll pass. Yeah. And so I'd been on class that morning and I had to leave and drive to Queen Bian and like go and do this interview. And they're like, oh, you know, so um, I don't know, like asking me about, you know, how do they feel like my prac, prac experience? Like, you know, mm. prac like at uni. Yeah. And I was like, I'm literally on class can I now? Like yeah. I have to, I have to go back yeah. to my school. Yeah. I need to get back to teach. And they're like, Oh yeah. Okay. And I think as soon as like, they're like, okay, you are obviously, you know, competent enough that you've been sought after. Exactly. Um, okay. Tick. You're fine. That is amazing. I did a similar thing. So I started teaching before I'd graduated. Yeah. Um, I think I must've, I think I'd pretty well finished everything. There might have been like one capstone project or group project or something that I had to do. I think I had to finish all my prac before yeah. I could teach. Yeah, yeah. I'd done all my pracs. Yeah. And I, I think you were meant to be within six months of graduating to do it. I had that one unit I refused I know. to do. I remember. <laughs> um, so, I, but I can't remember in what order I did the, that ratings interview. But that one, the New South Wales one is fine. Oh, yeah. I think it's a little bit different now. I think there's psychometric assessment or something. I do have one story. Um, A colleague from the school I was at told me about her. I must have done it after I started teaching because she told me about hers before I went for it. Yep. And (laughs) that was just the cat exiting. Bye, Crookshanks. Bye, Crookshanks. See ya. And she said, you know, she was telling me the sorts of questions they ask and they ask about differentiation. Yeah. And she said, be thoughtful because they ask you to come up with imagine kind of a disability or some kind of difference that a student in your class might have. They don't tell you it. You get to choose it. And she said, I made a mistake because I said. I feel like I know who this is (laughs) just based on this, the cadence of the story. (laughs) They said to her, you know, tell us about a unit you might teach or you currently teach. And she's like, okay, like seven, eight guitar. Yep. Okay. It's exactly who I thought. Seven, eight guitar. (laughs) And they're like, cool. Now imagine a student you might have in your class who needs some differentiation. And she was like, all right, maybe I have a kid with no arms. And they were like, cool. How would you differentiate guitar for a kid with no arms? And she was just like, can I try again? That is so funny. What's even funnier about that to me is A, I absolutely knew who it was before you (laughs) even gave me the clues. And secondly... (laughs) Yeah, I can hear it in that person's voice. Literally just like, uh, actually, can I pick a different one? Can I pick a different disability, please? And they were like... Guitar with no arms is potentially problematic. I'd probably just teach a different unit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there are people out there that can do it, but... 
Oh yeah, I think um, people. Some people can play the guitar with their feet. Yes, she stumbled in that moment, so yeah. that was good advice, and I kept that in mind. But anyway, I'm fumigating myself, so time to move on. Time to move on. I am not fumigating myself. You're not yet. Not yet. I think my time may come. I don't know in the in the next couple of years, but mm. um, yeah, I don't know. Like, because I there was a point this year where I thought, is it time to fumigate myself? Mm. Maybe. Um, and I thought really strongly about that for a, a few reasons. And I guess maybe part of the reason of that is I, I wonder if maybe there are some people who need to fumigate themselves and maybe haven't, uh. which, you know, that's up to them, I guess. Well, I mean, that's how, that's part of how we end up able to reflect on this and know is mm. that everyone knows that colleague or every kid in school has had that teacher who should not be there anymore. Yeah, it's time to go. They have overstayed for the – like it's not benefiting them yep. being there um, and it can manifest in a whole bunch of different pesty behaviours mm-hmm. that require mm-hmm. fumigating, including but not limited to microwaving really smelly food. <laughs> With no regard for others. Can you provide an example? A fish curry. Yeah, nah. Nah. <clears throat> Doesn't belong in the staff room, does it? Microwaving tuna. You can have tuna, you can't microwave it. Oh, uh, why would you? I, I think a willful disregard for others and your own safety is why. That you've overstayed, if that's how you feel about life. I just think that's so contentious. Other things... Asking extra questions at the meeting. Instant dismissal. Just because you don't want them answered just to try and rile or rattle the person running the meeting. Okay, yeah. Just to stir pesty behaviour. It is a bit pesty. It is petulant. I'm, I would run the risk of that. I would also run the risk of doing the like under the breath commentary the whole meeting. What was that? I have no idea. Ghost. What was that again? <laughs> is that a power tool? And we just can't hear it because of our... Our headphones? Uh, Your name is really old. Can I use power tools? No, is it there's safe? the couple next door where they oh, named yeah. the son after the dad and I have questions. But anyway. I've, I've got um, four questions. They're never finding this podcast. We hope not. Um, and they don't. they haven't nicknamed him either though. Like they're just... Both call the same thing. I just think that's not on, hey. Mm. Um, but yes, so I forget what we're talking about. Oh, some pesty behaviours in the workplace. An yeah. indication that you need to fumigate yourself. Okay, so I I had this happen to me at a school, a couple of schools ago, where I didn't realise I was doing the pesty behaviours because I kept getting projects to do. Interesting. They were giving you, they were trying to divert you. They were... So what was happening was she was, my principal was absolutely giving me jobs to do. That's a classic APS move. And I was like, why do I have all these jobs? I've got too much work to do. And I realized now I was probably being too naughty at school. <laughs> um, but I'm like a, a literal I'm, child. Like when you get the ADHD yeah. kid, sorry. But when you get the ADHD yeah. kid to be your like teacher's assistant and mm. you're like, all right, you're going to organize all of these and then you're going to hand out these things and then you're going to do this for me and you're my favorite. There's a certain archetype of ADHD as well where it's it's the hyperactive but obviously wicked smart as well. Yes. 
um, which killer combo is probably me. Yeah, absolutely, um, it's you. And we tend to inadvertently create trouble. Um, not because I'm not. I'm. Do you know I'm truly not trying to be contrary. Um, <laughs> I just have a lot of questions about why we're doing things because I feel like my brain absolutely short circuits to why are we doing that? Or is that efficient or is that the right thing? And I've I've got questions and it upsets people. I know. And then it manifests (coughs) in an email full of all of the research you've done, like color coded and categorized to prove to the other person why they're wrong. And then it cheeses them off. Have you been reading my emails? (laughs) You show them to me. You show them to me too late. <laughs> and it's not that I'm trying to categorize and I'm not trying to prove that I'm right. I know. I'm but tr- that's how it... It absolutely comes across that yeah. way. And but I, and you could tell me that at the time. I'm not seeing it until maybe a day later. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe I definitely shouldn't be doing that. Or you're like, I'm not trying to prove I'm right. I just factually am and I'm trying to enlighten everyone. Like I'm, it's not about proving who's right and wrong. It, to me, it seems like a public service. Yeah, it's about getting everyone else on board and helping them. And I'm like, come on, guys. If we all just engage with this information, maybe we'll all shift our perspective a little mm. bit. Um, Which is such a nice sentiment. And do you know, it is true. It's truly the sentiment. I but know. I think it leads into some other content. Are we doing it in this one? I was thinking this would be a good lead. <laughs> Which is Maybe you could introduce it for us because, and before before you do that, I want to be really clear about this. Um, this is something that I self-assess about myself daily. Yeah. So what I thought we'd do is basically have a conversation on air, if you like, that I, I like. think we've been having for, I think we maybe first had it. I'm going to estimate, I'm going to estimate we first started having this conversation routinely in 2018. Okay. Routinely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And contextually, there were lots of things happening then. Um, But basically the conversation is variations on a theme of Tom being like, am I the crazy one? Are we sure I'm not a psychopath? I am routinely unsure if I'm not actually quite mad. <laughs> I mean, you're not neurotypical. I'm that not neurotypical. Make you mad. And do you know what? The only comfort that I get is I think about this one phrase that I saw on like a, um, like a TikTok reel, not on actual TikTok because I'm a millennial. No, I, on like Instagram, TikTok or Facebook, TikTok. Not Instagram, definitely only Facebook. <laughs> you're, you're a 45-year-old woman named Shirin. <laughs> that is true, yeah. Um, <laughs> and it was a TikTok from, I don't know, like those ADHD influencers because yep. I'm like, oh, let me learn about my brain. And something she said was when you have, when you are neurotypical, uh, when you are neurodivergent, like have ADHD or whatever, and especially when you have trauma associated with that, and there's no getting out of that because you absolutely do. Um, It's it's like you are in an abusive relationship with the world. Mm, Interesting. Because you often have a constant sense of 
I don't know why I can't do this right. Yeah. And, but then you keep coming back for more. Like, you know, like you get pushed down, you get back up again. You know, it's Chumbawamba. Yeah. Um, and that is the only reassurance I have some days. And I think I'm pretty sure it's the world. But then I think, is that the work of a psychopath to divert responsibility? Okay. So this is where this conversation comes up. And it's a vicious cycle. I think the other reason we have this conversation is you become aware of, um, like there's in my, I tried to research like ADHD and psychopathy mm. overlaps or crossovers. Oh, good. Okay. There's a high comorbidity of ADHD and psychopathy in inmates, probably because, because like most psychopaths aren't violent, right? True. They might have aggressive tendencies, but they don't manifest in criminal behavior or violence. Yep, yep. What maybe those ones have with the crossover of ADHD is an impulsivity. Yep. As part of their ADHD. Mm-hmm. That is why it's higher, particularly in mates. But in the regular adult population, there's very little mm. kind of overlap except in that impulsiveness. Um, and also in a little bit in... Um, dopamine receptor. So having to do things yeah. that give you more of a rush to get the dopamine. Yeah. So the seek, thrill seeking, et cetera, that kind of thing. But actually what I notice when we have this conversation of, are we sure Tom's not a psychopath? <laughs> is you are meta aware of all the work you do to get the outcomes you want from other people. And you think you're manipulating people. I do. Yeah. But I would say this. I think if you're a psychopath, your goal for that manipulation, it would either be for the fun of proving you can manipulate them. Like you're getting a kind of um, a joy Mm -hmm. from the deceit or the duplicity, which I don't think you get. I don't think so. And you're not actually deceitful or duplicitous. True. I'm, I'm not. I don't. I don't lie. So it's not like the fun of the lying yep. or the thrill of the lying, the knowing you got away with it. It could be and like... The Lies call me, cause me extreme anxiety. anxiety. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I can lie quite easily. I just don't like doing it. But I'm good at it. You're a psychopath. I know. I'm good at it. Okay. But I just think it's because I'm good at acting. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, I just don't do it as a matter of course, but... Um, the other thing that I would say about the manipulating, mm-hmm. like you're aware of kind of um, mirroring people or framing things the right way to get the outcome or kind of how to make them comfortable to get the outcome and putting a lot of thought and a lot of work. Do I just have really good social skills? Into getting the outcome. <laughs> well, exactly. And also yeah. it's only when you care about the outcome. So the outcome is we differentiate better for the kids or the outcome is this or the outcome Mm. is we pull off the best birthday party that would suit this person when, you know, maybe someone came up with a plan that doesn't suit the person and you want to make it right. Yeah, yeah. It only happens for those kinds of reasons that are generally altruistic. And if you were a psychopath, your motivation would not be to get a good outcome for other people. It would be to get a good outcome for yourself. I like this because I also have routinely said... Even if I am a psychopath, my inclination or my my feeling, my gut feeling is that I use my powers for good and not evil. Exactly. And there is a phrase for that. 
even even if you were a psychopath, which you're definitely not. Okay. Okay. Uh, and for those listening, I do ask Zoe quite a lot and she always says no. I've done some research for us. Okay. <laughs> but there is, if you were a psychopath, which you're yeah. absolutely not, you would be a pro-social psychopath. Oh. Which is exactly what you've described. It's when you channel those personality traits because psychopathy isn't an actual diagnosis. It's like an umbrella term that we use mm. for particular manifestations of different types of antisocial personality disorder traits. Yeah. Yeah. They're understood to be personality traits, so they don't change. You can't treat a psychopath. Yes, I you did know that. You can't cure it. You can't change their personality traits. But what maybe is the difference between one that ends up in prison and one that doesn't is either the type of crime, like white collar, because mm-hmm. you get the opportunity to, you know, do illegal things on the stock market. Yeah, okay. So class background, all of the same things that influence who ends up in jail anyway. Um, but also whether those behaviours and personality traits have been taught during sort of youth and adolescence to be channeled into socially acceptable things. Mm, so okay. I found an article which I think is interesting and we'll, I will. this is also going to be the season of us using the show notes properly to credit where credit's due. Yep, good. Okay, so this is the first source we're going to have in there. Yeah. And the article is called The Neuroscientist Who Discovered He Was a Psychopath. And it's written by Joseph Stromberg, but it's to plug a book by a guy called James Fallon called... Whose name I know, but I don't know how. The Psychopath Inside. Okay. And it's the article's about James Fallon. And James Fallon was, or is, um, a neuroscientist. And he was doing a research project mm-hmm. where he was trying to look at if there is a pathology in people's brains, a difference in brain structure between normal brains and psychopath brains. Yep. And so as part of that, he had to do lots of brain scans that were de-identified. So he didn't know who they belonged to so that he wasn't influenced when he was looking at them. Including his own? And categorize them Mm. as psychopath or not, or look for patterns in the brains. Yep, okay. They found a clear pattern. There's an image of a brain here. This doesn't mean much to the... We, we have a picture of my brain. We should look at it. We should look at it. Yeah. We can do this. Um, but what it's pointing to is part of the prefrontal cortex that yes. they just sort of think is responsible for basically empathy. Um, and it's, it doesn't light up as much. It's less active, less developed mm-hmm. in a psychopath. That's part of the reason that they think um, early brain injury, trauma, that kind of thing, alcoholism yeah. might change brain structures and lead to psychopathy. But also... There's another thing, which is there's a range of um, gene alleles on genes that can lead to the personality traits. That's interesting. So one of them is the dopamine receptor type thing, which has the crossover with... Which for those following along, dopamine receptor deficiencies, problems are very, very much part of the disorder for ADHD. Yeah. So when your um, dopamine receptors aren't as sensitive... You have to do more outrageous things to get the dopamine rush or hit. So whereas I can do very simple things like, I don't know, touch my favorite blanket, look at my dog. You can tick lists in your list. Yeah, I can tick off things on my list and it will give me dopamine. That does nothing for me. You might need to like try a kickflip on a skateboard when you've never skateboarded before in your life. Yep. Yep. You might need to say yes to a social outing, even though your like book's already full. Yeah, yeah. So for me, it's um, 
the dopamine activation is it, it depends on lots of factors like you know mood tired healthy you know whatever um but sometimes it is like the activation energy is so high like no matter what i do i don't feel the motivation basically yeah because motivation isn't you know like when people talk about internal motivation that doesn't exist motivation is a dopamine addiction yes or a response a, yeah response yeah, yeah it's, it's a feel good <laughs> yeah you feel good doing it yeah or so, you feel good imagining the outcome or you feel good yeah yes when you're able to like, and for neurotypical people without adhd well even just people without adhd that is much easier to do and yes. your body responds more strongly yeah yeah so he's got so there's uh, apparently a range of high risk alleles for the personality types associated with psychopathy and things like aggression violence lowered empathy that kind of thing yeah so this scientist was looking at these brains and he had a bunch of brain scans that he knew were from his family members because they were looking at whether there's genetic components yeah things okay. like that and he looked at this one brain and he was like my goodness is that a psychopath is that a psychopath brain if ever I've seen it? So he decided to ru- like not ruin his research project, but go against his ethics mm. um, approval and find out who the scan belonged to. Drum roll. It belonged to, as I've already told Tom, him. The, the brain he was looking at was indeed James Fallon, his own brain. It was his own brain. Yeah. And so he started to reflect and the article's quite interesting, but some of the things that he says about himself that might make you feel better. Okay. Because he accepts, he accepts it now. Um, and you know, he checked that the machine wasn't faulty. He had the scan done. He also had the genetics done. Can you look at my prefrontal cortex later? We will look at your prefrontal cortex, but I'm not, I'm not qualified. We might have to get Mads to look at it. You, yeah. She's a doc- They're a doctor. Excuse me. Yes. So, um, he says I'm obnoxiously competitive to the point that I can't let my grandchildren win a game. Oh, that's not me. I'm kind of an asshole. I do jerky things that piss people off. But while I'm aggressive, my aggression is sublimated. It is sublimated. I'd rather beat someone in an argument than physically beat them up. I I don't argue angrily for fun, but I debate for fun. You enjoy you enjoy the debate. I enjoy the debate for the intellectual stimulation, but I I don't care about winning but you wouldn't enjoy upsetting someone else in the process. No. So if people are upset, I don't want that conflict. It makes me feel very, very bad. And I, I, because I think we've talked about this. I think I have too much empathy to be an actual psychopath. Exactly. I think so. Yeah. And it causes you too much upset to see others upset. Yes. I'm also a sympathy crier. When other people cry, I just start weeping. Yeah. So (laughs) some of the other things that he describes um, is as well as being hyper-competitive, which obviously has led him to being really successful in his field, is not really, I don't want to mischaracterize what he said, but not really loving or getting any good feelings out of relationships in his life. So he will go through actions because since finding out about the diagnosis, his friends have told him that he's a jerk and an asshole. His wife has said he's an asshole. And, the, and they've explained the behaviors that he does that tell them that he doesn't care about them. And he basically says, I can't make myself care about them, but I can change the behaviors so they feel cared about. But the reason I do that is not because it makes me feel good that they feel cared about, but because being 
married and a family man benefits me. Oh, okay. And I don't think you'd ever feel like that about a relationship or or relationships, whether they're platonic or romantic or otherwise, that the reason that you act certain ways towards people is entirely because it serves you. I just don't think that would ever be you. No, 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 no. Um, I'm going to confess something. Okay, please do. (laughs) Something that resonates with me is that sometimes I don't think I have the same – I don't know that I experience the way I care about people the same way that other people do. How could you ever know that? Well, I can't. I can't because it's entirely subjective because um, I just – it's so rare. But I I think this is ADHD related actually. I think all of the things that you think are psychopathy (laughs) are people being awful to you and you thinking it's your fault, which is probably trauma Yes. or ADHD. Yeah. And being punished for trying to do something good. Yes. But go on. Sorry, I interrupted. No, no. I think um, sometimes in relationships or friendships or, you know, even familial relationships, Mm. um, I know that things are the right thing to do just because it's like a social practice. Yes. But not because I get something out of it. Like it's a bit kind of like, maybe it's like a love language thing. Like I, I, my love language to receive is not acts of service. Okay. Um, but my love language to give is acts of service, but not because it makes me feel good. Cause you know, it makes other, it people, makes feel other people feel good. Yeah. But the difference but you is, want them to feel good I want because them, you care about them. I want them. them to feel good because I care about them, but it doesn't do anything for me. But does them feeling good make you feel good when you know it worked? Them feeling good makes the relationship feel more harmonious okay. and I like that. So you're less anxious. I'm less anxious. There's and less I, conflict. I feel more secure. I feel right. more like more – because when, when there's an absence of conflict – I guess it's a bit tricky because sometimes you can not have conflict, but things are still uncomfortable. But when or, or it's just conflict yeah. for you, you're like, oh, I'm worried about this. Is this how? how uh, but yeah. when my relationships feel harmonious and secure, mm. uh, that does make me feel good. Mm. But I also know it makes the other person feel good, and I, I'm glad about that. Yes. Okay. But, so this is what he's actually written. I, I didn't. I didn't want to misquote. Okay. Um. So, he said. Um, what does he say here? Okay. Since finding out and looking into it, I've made an effort to try and change my behavior. I've more consciously been doing things that are considered the right thing to do and thinking more about other people's feelings. But at the same time, I'm not doing this because I suddenly care or I'm suddenly nice. I'm doing it because of pride, because I'm competitively wanting to show everyone else that I can be a psychopath and pull it off. Ooh, I don't think that resonates with me. No, no, I just don't think that would ever be you. The yeah. other thing um, that I did for us was obviously consult Reddit. Yeah, it's a legitimate source. Now, the risk with Reddit is that you're going to be like, hey, psychopaths, you know, when did you know you were a psychopath? And it's going to be like... When I took someone's limbs. What it, well, it's people joking or it's yeah. like whatever the kind of current equivalent of kids who listen to My Chemical Romance is. <laughs> being edgy right (laughs) 
but there you're were... always getting an MKR reference in always MCR you... thank you oh sorry MCR my not my kitchen rules I don't Jeez. know yeah I don't know what happened then <laughs> that's like a different reference <laughs> they both work for me excuse me <laughs> they're just different eras of my life I apologize um, but I found a couple of answers for us about what it's like to be a psychopath and a lot of the answers that had people had in common about when they first started to think that they were really different mm-hmm. is that it was their first experiences of bereavement and they felt absolutely nothing. Not numb shock. Nothing. And that's not you either. I have experienced complete and utter... Devastation. Devastation. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... In... A few different areas of my life. Mm, yes. So they will, they say it's, it's for them, it was being from lots of people saying when they were like an adolescent, basically, and losing a grandma that they were close to or a family member that they were close to, um, that they spent a lot of time with that other people would describe as having a really good relationship with mm. and being important and not feeling anything and seeing the visceral feelings on everyone else. Um, and, Obviously, like, not everyone shows... People can have feelings that aren't shown, mm-hmm. typically, or whatever. You know, like, the misconceptions about being autistic that just because their face doesn't look a certain way doesn't mean they don't have the feelings. No, just genuinely not having them, an absence of them. And then someone adds, um, I have also found I probably should not own pets. That's all. Wow. <laughs> I love my dog. I know, Exactly. Um, but yes, yeah, so sort of some things people say, um, socially it's odd. I just stay out of conversations when people get emotional. I think I have good opinions about controversial topics like abortion, religion, and politics in general, but my opinions seem to upset people. I don't think empathy is necessary or helpful or makes any improvements in society. I think not having it makes me logical and unbiased and therefore better. I don't feel like that. <laughs> no, you don't. No, I don't feel like that. No, not at all. And I think I think probably that's most pronounced in my work with mm. children. Yes. Um, I don't think you do your job if you're a psychopath. I don't know if I could do my job. I literally don't think you could. It's not paid enough. It's not – no one is like, oh, well, outside of the teaching community. Mm. Like socially, it's not a highly – It's not a high status regarded job. Regarded job. Especially I teach preschool and – you're getting literally like all of dunk that, on you. The work all day is thankless co-regulation, <laughs> which you couldn't do. You couldn't. I, yeah, that's a good point. I would not be able to do the work I do mm. because I, you genuinely mm. have to connect mm. with other humans. Exactly, literally. Um, because they are sometimes they're experiencing big things for the very first time in their life, mm. and you need to be in the space with them for that. Yeah. But I will say, I think I do, maybe this is, feels like psychopathy, but possibly is a trauma response. Mm. Um, there's a certain situation I can think of where I was devastatingly unparalleled in my life, bereft mm. about something for a long time and... Since then, the way I, the way I feel just a little bit, I think, I think I've got, must, might have some work to do around that because Mm. I think there's a part of my emotion center that feels 
like it's not as strong as it used to be. Like it feels a bit closed off. And I think mm. possibly that's a trauma response. Yeah. I think it's probably a self-protective behavior. Yeah. Um, and not an indication of psychopathy. <laughs> yes. Okay. So are you, not to push too hard. Yeah. Are you talking about um, not feeling like you fully access feelings that you have? Like you stop yourself? I think, I think that's what it is. Yeah. I think I know that they are there. You should do the EMDR. I have done that before mm. for something different. Mm. And I don't know. I feel like I have mixed reports about it. I have no idea if it's voodoo or I have no idea. No idea. I think there's something to it. I did it. So if you don't know what it, we should finish on this, but yeah. if you don't know what EMDR is, I can't remember what it stands for. It's I, I don't know. I movement something, something. Um, desensitization something rapid i don't know anyway there's different ways of doing it they have all kinds of tech that can help you do it yeah. now but i i just had a doctor doing this with their finger i had a and tapping. psychologist doing the tapping the yeah. bilateral tapping so i had the tapping yeah. and the finger yeah. so um the idea is that it distracts your brain enough that it allows you to access it's basically a ptsd treatment to be honest yeah, that's what I had it for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had it for around bereavement. So I had it for um, around the death of my dad, which at the time I, I don't know, I, I probably didn't really process for like 12 months after it happened. Yeah. And then had this like, I don't know, seven years later, mm-hmm. right? Um, and at the time, anyway, at the time I was doing it, I felt like I was faking it. I felt like I was giving an effort to give the answers that she wanted to hear and like, but I also think it helped. Okay. So that's very interesting. You say that because I had a similar experience Okay, where I'm going to say maybe the first three sessions, I felt like I was doing the motions. Yes. Like playing, playing along, playing along. I was playing along and I have this, I have this kind of weird, um, Another thing that makes me think I'm a psychopath. You compete I, with the psychopath. You want to win at therapy. I want to win yeah. at therapy. And my like, I also want them to laugh. Yeah, me too. Um, to diffuse the tension. Yeah, because I'm like, this is uncomfortable. Yeah. And um, so I, I'm trying to win by yeah. knowing, the most of, knowing the most about my own brain. Yeah. Um, Familiar with that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do therapy anymore. There's nothing you could therapize me on. I'm done. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, uh, I think the most I can hope for is th- just talking to good friends now. Exactly. I think I know, I know how to do it. There's nothing else I can do short of like significant, like, um, psychiat- psychiatrist intervention where like I get sent to like a crazy hospital. Yeah. I mean, I suppose I w- if I would to do therapy again, I would literally just be doing it as this is a, allotted time and space to talk about this thing. Yeah. I don't actually need anything from them other than no, that. me either. And that's expensive <laughs> just yeah, for that. That's It's too much. But yeah, anyway. But the, the first um, three times you first, were... Yeah. I was faking. Yeah. Well... It felt... It felt like not real. Yes. But I will say, I was probably the fourth, maybe the fifth. I can't really remember. It was a number of years ago now. And there was one session where I felt like I unlocked something in my psyche in my like memory and my like emotional centers Mm. and I just I just felt something just ooze out of me Mm. and then it was gone 
I don't think I uh, felt a particular moment mm. like that, but I did feel very incredibly drained. Yes. Afterwards. Yeah. They told me that they're like, you're going to be feel so tired for the next day or the next two yeah, days. Like it gives you a hangover in a way yeah. that normal talk therapy doesn't. Yeah. And I, you know, we've done it all now. We've done the CBT, done the mm. talk therapy, the psychics, whatever. <laughs> um, we've done the work. And yeah, the exhaustion, the walk. it was like post-migraine exhaustion. Yes. Yeah. Like your whole body. Was uh, yeah. I felt like I had the mother of all hangovers yeah. without a headache. Yeah. Just no headache. So I didn't have a headache, but I just, I felt sick. I felt fatigued. Washed My out. body, like everything about me just felt like I was, Ooh. I can't stand up today. Yes. But yeah. you don't feel it, which is why the eye movement and the tapping is meant to work you don't feel it at the time you're doing it which yeah. is what's meant to allow you to access the trauma to process it or whatever yeah anyway poor dad wasn't his fault as we say no fault through no fault of his own death through no fault of his own yeah. i get i get finickety about this notion that like he's done me damage or whatever he hasn't life kills your parents eventually yeah facts some of us learn to deal with it sooner than later or have to deal with it sooner than later yeah and like you know it's just a matter of emdr now or in 30 years it's fine Yep, yep, absolutely. So, just to be clear, no shade on dad. Oh, no, no. No. The Shrekage was just too strong for this world. <laughs> Ian, we thank you. All right, we should we should okay. <laughs> finish off there. I feel like we should wrap up a couple of things. Okay, so what are we wrapping I'm, up? You're not a psychopath. I'm not a psychopath. I have too much empathy and I'm probably just like you have could, trauma and I'm too smart. You couldn't do your job if you're a psychopath. I couldn't. I couldn't. I have too much empathy. And are you now more convinced than you were before? I actually am. Okay. All right. We've yeah. made some ground. We've done some work. Good. Because I've been doing Are You a Psychopath quizzes for years. I know. But then the you're like, oh, am I manipulating the quiz? <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. I'm like, I think I'm telling it. Like, it's like when you try and manipulate the sorting hat quizzes to get yes, the house to get you want. Yes, get the house you want. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. You're not a psychopath. Thank God. Um, what else have we covered? It's time to move on if you're going to become a pest. Yeah. Okay. If you have to fumigate from the workplace or something else in your life, you need to be looking around. Take take stock. It's the end of the year. It's a perfect time. Look around. See if you need to move on. If there are, if you're surrounded by maybe lots of other people who need to move on and are not going to, maybe you need to be the change. Lead the way. Lead the way. Change is exciting. Lead the way. Yep. And if you're being given special projects, you've overstayed your welcome. Yeah. Po- it, Possibly, possibly you're a pest and haven't realized <laughs> and you're being given things to do to stop bothering everybody. Secret pest code. All yeah. right. Thank you. <laughs> um, next episode, we were going to do boyfriends and heartbreaks separately, but I feel we could roll them together. I think we can just do it all at once. Yeah. I reckon we can tackle all of that. Because we've got things to report on. We do. Okay. Speaking of, mine is actually messaging me from, I think, Scotland. Mine's blocked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>